Welcome in to Two for One Drafts, PFF's new Rookies and Prospects podcast with Austin Gale and Mike Renner. We're going to be doing it twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1 p.m., live on YouTube. You can get it on Spotify. We'll be on Apple Podcasts before you know it. Stitchers, we're everywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. Today, you got a jam-packed show starting with NFL draft, draft prospects, top performance we've seen. We call that our first round. Mm-hmm. Got to get the first round out of the way. Always do. Then after that, we're going to be talking some rookies, top rookie performances, draft specials of the week. We're going to bring up Terry McLaren. You got other guys as well. Darnell Savage, Savage oh, Dexter Lawrence. Darnell Savage. Looking good so far. Mm-hmm. Really do like where we see with him. Then we dive into the segments where the wordplay really gets good. <laughs> Definitely like where we're at here. We have the fake ID segment talking about underclassmen that we let into the bar. Mm-hmm. They're playing well. We'd let them into the draft. Also have um, going into, sorry, uh, 21st birthdays, new segment where, you know, breakout candidates. Got some good names. Sage Surratt from Wake Forest. His name we'll bring up there. Definitely spoiler excited alert, for him. Come on. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, and then also our blackout segment. Yes. Uh, performances you want to forget. Definitely want to forget from these past weeks. So let's go and start with the first round. We're going to break this down by conference. Go Big Ten, Big 12, all the Power Fives, and then also doing the group of five as one. With the Big Ten, i got to start with my guy. Fighting Illini, Reggie Corbin. This is a running back I really liked heading into this season. You know, former rugby star, went to, the, you know, went to the college, playing the running back position, playing really well right now, forcing a ton of missed tackles. Great speed, great straight line speed, great yards after contact. When I was researching, you know, yards after contact versus yards before contact, he was gaining yards above expectation at an absurd rate. And I really think he's off to a great start again, coming off a big week as well. Yeah, Reggie Corbin, think Tariq Cohen. That's the style of his yeah. game. Undersized, shifty, but he's the modern sort of space player. If he has the ball in his hands with some room to work, good things are going to happen. That's what he's done for the Illinois offense. So Reggie Corbin, name to keep on the map. One of my favorite late-round type of running backs because mm-hmm. he's not going to be coveted highly. When you're you know, yeah. 5'9", 195, you're not going in the first round unless you run like a 4-2. You're going to be a later-round type of pick, but I think you can add a ton of value just like Tree Cohen has done for the Bears offense. So definitely a name to watch. And again, he's played well. Uh, this season. Staying in the Big Ten, Joe Graziano, highest graded mm. edge defender in the country Gaziano. right now. Gaziano, Gaziano, I apologize. Highest graded edge defender in the country right now, playing at a super high level. I know you like him. He's actually graded well a couple years now. Three mm-hmm. years of starting for Northwestern, last two seasons, grades over 80 as a pass rusher. He is a power type of player. Reminds me actually of Anthony Nelson, uh, the Iowa defensive end who came out last year to where it doesn't look super pretty. Uh, he doesn't, you know, do anything that you're going to say, oh, wow, that's high level. It doesn't look like Chase Young uh, or even Kenny Willick is coming out of the Big Ten in terms of those nice reps, but he wins consistently, is very difficult to block, and he's done it against pretty much everyone he's gone up against. I'm excited to see how he does uh, in the Big Ten season. You know, he went up against UNLV this past week uh, in Stanford, their first game for Northwestern. Dominated both of them. So uh, I'm excited to see him in the Big Ten. He can push his way up draft boards. He's one of those guys who – like I said, he's not going to be drafted highly in the NFL draft. He's just not that sort of athlete. But you can win with if you have quality depth along your defensive line in the third, fourth round. Guys like that uh, is, I think, what his projection will be. Can't leave the Big Ten without bringing up Tristan Wirfs. I got, mm-hmm. Just touching on where his grades are, he was obviously highly coveted going into this year. People see him as a, one of the top offensive linemen in this class. Hey, he's our top offensive exactly. linemen in this class. Uh, going week one, Miami of Ohio, 85.4 pass blocking grade. Rutgers, 83.3. And now this past week, eight, um, 88.2 against Iowa State. One of the better pass-protecting offensive tackles in college football right now. Run blocking, though, you look at his grades, has gone down every week this so far. Talk to me about Tristan Wirfs, what you're seeing from him. I'm not too worried about his run blocking. Run blocking grade is hit and miss mm-hmm. with him so far. But I think at the NFL level, one of the biggest things is he's probably not going to be a tackle. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't have the length, the size that most NFL teams covet. Not a huge deal. Kick him inside to guard. And I think in that sort of in a phone booth, that's where he excels. Uh, and you love the fact that he's pass protecting at a super high level at a tackle position. Still one pressure all season long. I love his pass sets. He's so smooth for a guy as big and as powerful mm-hmm. as he is. To be as nimble and as smooth is just rare. This is a rare type of prospect. I think even at the guard position, you could be looking at him as a future possible top 10 pick. And if you're kicking him in the guard, you know, you're a guy that had I know. Uh, ri- uh, not I know. riser. Um, Jonah Williams is a tackle the whole way through. Everyone wanted to kick him in the guard. You're like, no, this guy needs to play tackle. Well, you want Wirfs at guard. I would have kicked uh, Quentin Nelson from guard to tackle. Yeah, there so, you like, go. I, I'm like, every, give everyone a chance at tackle, but I do think think his best position will be guard. I just think that's mm-hmm. how dominant he could be at the guard position. I'll give him a chance at tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will give him a chance, but I do think 
realistically, he will be a guard at the next level and a darn good one. Yeah, let's dive into the SEC, move to the SEC. Two receivers I need to bring up. One's going to be quicker than the other. Jerry Judy, he's still very good. He continues mm. to be a freak after the catch. Breaking. Looks very good before the catch as well. Great route running. Everything. He's everything right mm. now. I think Jerry Judy is really like looking like a can't-miss prospect at the wide receiver position. Easily my favorite in the class right now. Jumping to Jeff- Justin Jefferson of LSU. Still earning high grades. Very good production for him. Down- winning downfield. Good contested catches. Has forced missed tackles after the catch. What I I need to see with him, though. I know the grades are great. I still need to see those wide receiver wins. He's mm-hmm. playing a lot in the slot for LSU yes. right now, not really getting those one-on-one matchups. I need to see him win to translate to the next level as an outside wide receiver. He's beating zone. He's beating, you know, finding the holes, which is good. I'm not saying it's good. He obviously has grades for a reason, high grades for a reason. But Jefferson, the biggest thing I need from him is to go against some man coverage, beat people at the line of scrimmage, and when I see those wide receiver wins combined with that production is when I really want to start getting on board with him. Well, the good news is, at LSU, he's going to be seeing a lot of man coverage here soon enough Mm -hmm. in that SEC schedule, so he'll get his licks against those top uh, cornerbacks, top defenses in college football, so we're going to see that, but I think the most encouraging thing uh, that I've seen from him so far is his after-the-catch ability. When you're a 6'3", when you're a bigger wide receiver, Mm -hmm. a lot of times that shiftiness, that sort of shake that make you miss – Guys don't have that at yeah. that size. It's you start to look harder. like Seth Roberts. Yeah, yeah you, a get, bit. <laughs> you get a little stiffer. Yeah. A little stiffer at that size. And yards after catch is so valuable in the NFL today. That ability uh, to turn a six yard, you know, he's playing from the slot, mm-hmm. to turn that hitch into a first down right off the bat by break, making one guy miss is so big. Justin Jefferson, seven broken tackles on only 19 catches, one of the best rates in the nation so far. That is huge for me. Uh, hopefully, we see that continue. Third most yards mm-hmm. anyone in the nation. This dude's balling out. And it's yards after the catch. On on um, decent depths, you know, yes. like it's more than no, just yeah. catching passes. He's not taking screens. Exactly, He's not exactly. Screens, yeah. I think you know, you look at yards after the catch per reception, one of PFF's metrics. It's easy to get caught up in guys that get a ton of passes behind the line of scrimmage. With Jefferson, yes. he's winning after the catch downfield yes. on deeper targets, breaking tackles, you know, at the catch point. It, it, it's fantastic to see where he is right now. Again, still need to see those wide receiver wins against man coverage. Mm-hmm. He'll be a guy I will continue to watch for LSU. I need to bring you in on this. Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis of Alabama, two edge defenders, are earning high pass rush grades in PFF system. Mm-hmm. Are they legit? I, I feel like I watched Anthony Jennings a little bit, a little bit of an older prospect. Doesn't have the same twitch, in my opinion, of Terrell Lewis, but both of them are winning right now. That's the biggest thing with Anthony Jennings is he is a right now a bull rusher. He's bull rush. Not, I'm not going to say he's a bull rush specialist, but that's his go-to move. He works off of that long arm, puts that one hand out, uh, and works pretty much his whole move set off of the bull rush. But he's just not crazy explosive to where you think that bull rush is going to translate well mm-hmm. to the NFL level. And then you worry about that because if you're not uh, explosive enough to consistently win with the bull rush in the NFL level, and that's kind of your whole pass rushing skill set at the yeah. college level, I just worry about that translating. But again, the production is there. Uh, I loved him back in 2017, or he produced well in 2017, got hurt uh, in the playoff that year. Uh, did not look like himself back in 2018, but again, 90.6 pass rushing grade through three games. Yeah. The production has been off the charts for him so far, but Terrell Lewis to me is the better NFL prospect because he has that explosiveness to him. Because it, while he's undersized in terms of going to run around 250 pounds, it's all in his legs. Yeah. The dude is thickly built. Uh, can hold the edge. Uh, so I think when a guy is 250 pounds and has that base, you think you can gain 10 to 15 more pounds. You think you can get bigger. Uh, and so I think Terrell Lewis is the better prospect of the two, and I've been really impressed by him. Uh, obviously didn't play uh, in 2018 with injury. Comebacks, comes back this year and has been lights out. I think he could be working his way into that first-round conversation. That's the type of prospect I think he is. Before we you know jump out away from the SEC, I think it's important to know you know with these Alabama just continues to churn out these pass rushers and well, these defensive linemen. They're, exactly. all, they're all five <laughs> stars. They all have this <laughs> background. But again, oh, yeah. you got to turn on the tape with these guys because there's also you know these guys like Raekwon Davis, mm-hmm. right? He, who, who's not playing as well yeah, in Alabama hurt. right now. Doesn't have a high pass rush win rate. That's a guy who needs to improve for Alabama. While Terrell Lewis and Amber Jennings having good production. Going to the Big Twelve. No, oh, wait, wait. Let's touch on one more guy in the SEC. Jamar Zuniga. Oh, yes. Was yes. going to, we highlighted him on last week's pod. Uh, we wanted to see him go up against Kentucky. He gets hurt, unfortunately. Yes. So oh. only seven snaps, didn't mm-hmm. uh, play the full game. Uh, so that is not great for his eval. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he gets back healthy. Uh, but dang. That was one we wanted yeah. to see. I mean, just going against tough. even just going against Kentucky offensive tackles, it yeah. would have been a test that's for a, him. That's a good O-line. Exactly. Yeah. It would have been a test for him mm-hmm. to see if he can actually do it, actually produce these 90-plus mm-hmm. pass rush grades we've seen from him against Cupcakes, against Kentucky offensive line. We didn't get to see that, unfortunately. Let's go to the Big 12. You know, going into, into this year, you know, yeah, Jeff Gladney, the, yeah, I was really excited about that corner. I'm going wide receivers right now. C.D. Lamb looks very good for Oklahoma, but... 
Still, the production's not there. I know you're worried maybe Jalen Hurts having an effect on his production. Talk to me about C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C.D. Lamb, at the wide, when he plays out wide, I just worry about him getting the targets from mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. That's not the route so far he's really been targeting are those downfield, uh, you know, the routes you're going to run as a, yeah. as, a, as a boundary type of wide receiver. The goes, deep post, that sort of thing. He's been more underneath, more over the middle of the field, Jalen Hurts. So C.D. Lamb's production may not be there, but if you flip on tape, him against Darnay Holmes, the cornerback UCLA, first game of the season for him, who we touted as like a third-round prospect, I think, as we had him in the mm-hmm. preseason draft guide. Very athletic. He was turning him around on some comeback routes, uh, on, a stu- on a stutter go, had him toasted in that game. Just didn't get targeted. Yeah. Uh, one catch, uh, had another one called back by penalty, but he was putting it to Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes did not look great in that CB Lamb was making him look silly, but just was not getting the targets in that offense, I worry about that going forward, but mm-hmm. I'm not. it's not going to affect if C.D. Lamb doesn't reproduce his numbers that he did with Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. I'm not going to be too worried. We've seen enough from him already. Yeah. Uh, another wide receiver Oklahoma, um, in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, Thailand Wallace. I mean, this is a guy that's exploding from a production standpoint, 390 receiving yards, you know, 15 receptions, great after the catch, 17.7 yards after the catch per reception average right now, but... With him, too, it's, again, those wide receiver wins I need to see more of. He's doing great after the catch. You know, a bad tackle from a McNeese corner <laughs> that he turns into a big, long gain. That's going to help his production. But with Tylon Wallace, again, similar not maybe similar to Justin Jefferson, I still need to see those wins at the receiver position against good man corners. He hasn't played a tough competition yet. Just Oregon State, McNeese, and Tulsa. I need to see him do it against good guys and win these routes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is his sort of – Production per target. He's just getting more opportunities yeah, yeah, than true. anyone else basically in college 25 football. targets this year. Yeah, 25 targets already. Uh, has only converted 15. And he's only a 60% catch rate. Like He's not necessarily hauling in everything that's thrown his way. Uh, and like you said, there are still times where they throw it to him deep and he's not separate, where he's not getting open against some of these corners. Uh, so I wish he was a guy who played in the SEC, a guy who played against maybe even the Big Ten, even where they had better cornerbacks. The Big 12, he's just not going to face a whole lot, and he's just going to get pumped, you know, 150 targets again in that offense. So his numbers are going to look great, but I just worry about him uh, being able to win as consistently and being as talented a route runner Mm -hmm. as a lot of the other wide receivers in this class because it's so loaded at the top that it's going to be difficult to separate these guys. But he's, I mean, he's pretty darn good after the catch. Yeah. He's pretty darn explosive in his own right. So th- there's a lot to like about him, but there's, we're not, the production is a little overblown. The, you know, the raw numbers yeah. are just aren't going to match uh, our eval at the moment. I kind of want to stay on that topic a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. working with you for the last couple of years, we talk about route running and separation being like one of the most important, if not the most important traits for when you're evaluating yeah. receiving talent. That's what separates guys like Tylen Wallace and Jerry Judy and, mm-hmm. and, and CeeDee Lamb, even all these guys. Talk to me about, you know, that separation and that factor, how you came about that, you know, just receiver separation being an important well, trait for you know receivers. I think we're even seeing at the NFL level a lot of these faster, mm-hmm. undersized wide receivers hitting the ground running. And they have Michael Hardman this past week has himself a game. True. Marquise Brown doing big touchdown big call back for holding yeah, Hardman. Like I think there are uh, this just speed is at an all time high in terms of value in the NFL where. Uh, you can scheme a guy a free release, and if you can scheme him to get him free running on safeties, and then at that point you don't need to be a super special uh, sort of uh, receiver. You don't. You can create space mm-hmm. via scheme and your speed, and that just has so much value at the NFL level. So I do think that that separation aspect uh, is bigger than it's ever been. It's more important than it's ever been because of the way the rules are. You. You could have these five nine hundred eighty pound wide receivers, and after five yards, you can't touch them, or else mm-hmm. you know, true, or else you are, uh, or else they're going to throw the flag. So, uh, I do think that though that's the way the game is moving is those guys that can get open down the football field are the true game changers in the NFL. That's why Dante Moncrief just got benched. Uh, the drops <laughs> not a, not a factor. You need to bring in Deontay Johnson. I'll say that, and I'll mm. say it again. We're not leaving the Big Twelve without bringing up my guy oh. Travis Bruffy, all name They're team, eighty nine point six pass blocking grade. He's only allowed one pressure every game he's played. Went against went against Arizona this past week. Eighty total snaps, eighty eight point one overall grade. Playing at a very high level right now. Bruffy need to see more from him. Obviously, low, like small sample size to start. He didn't mm-hmm. earn over seventy plus overall grades in the first two years prior. Need a bigger sample size against more Big Twelve competition, Power Five competition. But the guy's six foot six, three hundred five pounds, has a decent profile, decent size. I think Bruffy is a name to watch. Maybe not a breakout candidate yet, but a name to watch. He's probably a guy who's going to, whether it be Shrine Game or Senior Bowl, Mm -hmm. that's going to be monstrous for his evaluation because, again, the Big 12 defenses, you're not going to go up against a ton of talented pass rushers. True. That's 
if you don't see a single guy who's going to play in the NFL, you just don't really know what you're going to get out of an mm-hmm. offensive tackle. And we bring up those point. one-on-one matchups yeah. so much. I mean, this past, so, you know, on the last episode, we talk about one-on-one matchups being so important for evaluation at the receiver position, offensive tackle, D-line, and that's what helps us really kind of understand how you're going to translate to the next level. And then you see it every year at the Senior Bowl. Someone shows up like a T.J. Clemmings and is not ready mm-hmm. for it. Was yeah. T.J. Clemmings just got smoked that whole week. And then someone shows up. Looks good at boosted draft stock and ends up going in the first round. That was uh, Titus Howard yeah. this past year, uh, who was that guy. We'll, which bring, we'll get to him later, later as well. <laughs> but that's just uh, sometimes guys are ready, sometimes guys aren't. Uh, you really don't know that until they're facing someone who's got the size, speed, length, sort of the NFL traits. Yeah. Uh, you just won't know who, who Travis Bruffy is until that. Fair. Let's go to the ACC. Mm-hmm. You tweeted out, if you want a tall receiver in this class, it's got to be T. Higgins. He's playing at a high level with Believe one of the it. best quarterbacks in the country, future Miami Dolphin in 2021, after the two-year tank is complete. T. Higgins, talk to me about him. Why that, that big receiver, he's actually making it work. Yes, 6'4", 215, and has what I touched on earlier with Justin Jefferson, has that after-the-catch ability and that sort of shake in his route running to where he can get open. And that's, again, the separation is the first thing you look for, kind of like quarterbacks and accuracy. Accuracy being the first thing you look for. And then does he have the size and contested catchability? Contested catchability and size is kind of like arm strength quarterbacks. It's like, yes, it's nice if you got it. You need somewhat of a baseline of it, but it is not one of the first two or three things in an eval that you should Mm -hmm. be looking at. But Higgins has the other things, has incredible ball skills. His catch freshman year against, I think it was Citadel, Mm -hmm. one-handed, left-handed catch, I don't believe he's left-handed. I'm pretty sure he's right-handed. Was one of the highest level of difficulty catches I've ever seen. Uh, If you haven't seen it, go back, look up on YouTube right now. Well, who Uh, hasn't seen all the Citadel games? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But it was his freshman year. Unbelievable one-handed, left-handed catch he had for a touchdown. Uh, His ball skills are just as good as it gets in the country right now. Five career drops uh, on almost 100 targets. Hasn't had a single uh, drop this whole season on 15 catches. So, yeah, there's a lot to like with T. Higgins. He's... I think he's going to be, and he's going to get a first round grade. What all mm-hmm. said is said and done for us. I got two pass rushers I want to bring up in the ACC. Mm-hmm. You know, Carlos Basham, he's a guy we talked about on last episode as a guy to watch against mm-hmm. UNC on Friday. He played very well. The thing I'll say about him great production over a 90.0 pass rush grade through three weeks. He still looks a little reckless. I need to see some yes. polish. I think he's, he's, you know, he's six foot five, 275 pounds, athletic, fast. But he needs to hone in a little bit. It looks like he's running kind of like, ah, and he's, and he's still beating tackles that way. Bull in a china shop. Exactly. Bull mm-hmm. in a china shop is a great way to explain him. It, it, but at least he has the tools, you know. Once you have the tools, you can hone in that skill set. Yeah. Give him a weapon or two. Let him add some stuff to the tool belt there. Bash him. Good because his floor may be a little bit higher than other prospects because he has that athleticism and that size. Another guy. Yeah, when we, oh, when we talked about with... Uh, who were we talking about? With Anthony Jennings earlier. Yeah. Where you have one guy's a, both guys bull rushers. One guy's 6'5", 275, and explosive. Mm-hmm. One guy's you know, 6'3", 260, and uh, moderately yeah, explosive. Yeah. One guy you feel good about it being able to happen at the next level. The other guy you're thinking, mm, even though he's producing right now, exactly. will it happen again at the next level? So that's kind of the difference when you talk about two guys who those their main go-to move. One guy, well... And he's more explosive. The bull rush relies on explosion. One guy has it. One guy kind of doesn't. The most dominant performance I think I watched this past week was Marvin Wilson against the University mm. of Virginia. He's, it was absurd. The guy's huge. I went into this year. He's D-line looking, porn right now. Yes. You you, flip you, it on. <laughs> just dim watch the lights. It, dim the lights. I like it. You tell uh, the girlfriend to go to the other room. <laughs> Marvin Wilson. But you, you turn on the tape with him. Before this season, I'm like, this yeah. guy's huge. Looks like a mobile home in a t- 21 jersey on the defensive line for Florida State. And then now this year, as you watch him, he's more than just big. He's got some twitch, yes. explosive out of his snap. And when you get that level of explosion that he has with that size, he's going to win pass rush snaps quickly. And that's what you saw against the University of Virginia. If you watch any tape from Marvin Wilson this year, turn on that one first and then watch the other ones because he really played well. This guy is slowly, and we talked about it you know, before getting on here, becoming that number one yeah. defensive tackle in this class. Yes, honestly, I wasn't fully on board heading into the year. He was only a true sophomore last year, and I just – I wasn't necessarily sure athletically and strength-wise he was on par with some of the other D-tackles in this class. And when you're not, you have to be pretty damn good if you're not a, you know, a plus-plus athlete in a defense mm-hmm. tackle position uh, to be drafted highly, uh, to, you know, to affect the pass at the NFL level. And I didn't, so I didn't think he had the strength that Derek Brown had, didn't think he had the explosiveness or the length that someone like Raekwon Davis has. But his pass rushing moves, his, the ability, his hands, and the way he can go from one move 
to the next and is just never done as a pass rusher is far better than anyone else in this class at this point. He is the most refined pass rusher at the defensive tackle position. And I think he probably will end up being DT1 because of that for us, because he is so much better with his hands that you just, even if he may not be uh, freakishly athletic, he's still so talented that it's going to, it's going to work at least somewhat well. And guys like Derek Brown, Derek Brown has three total pressures this year. Uh, you know, Mark Wilson's had that in every game yeah. so far. So a uh, little bit of a different production wise as well. So, uh, yeah, I think Marvin Wilson, uh, first round lock, mm-hmm. throwing it on. Like it. Lock, lock it down. at this point. Thing to bring up, too, we didn't even touch on it. He turned 21 like 10 days ago. Yeah. The guy's still yeah. getting better, still progressing. Mm-hmm. He's not even mature yet. The guy's still going to work things down. He might have a baby tooth. I don't know. I haven't <laughs> checked, but he might have a baby tooth. This guy's still developing, still growing, and he looks polished. You compare him to a guy yes. like Carlos Basham. Who's got like the size and athleticism, but looks like a bull in a china mm-hmm. shop. This guy looks like you know uh, I don't know what in a china shop, but something a little nicer, <laughs> less less of a bull. But he looks like he owns the china. He shop. looks like he owns he's the, the china shop. He's the one exactly. polishing all the china. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I I really do like Marvin Wilson. I would encourage everyone to kind of go watch him. I think he's yes. just so fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I hate using fun to watch, oh. but he's fun to watch we need, and yeah. he's good. We have fun to talk on fun to watch. Why we hate fun to watch? <laughs> I hate fun to watch. <laughs> Because you can say it about any prospect, regardless if they're good or they're not. Yes. And you can just like, yeah, he's fun to watch. And fun to watch isn't a take. Yes. Fun to watch is, is just like saying you enjoy football. Exactly. <laughs> you know, football Ethan's is fun, fun to watch. watch. <laughs> our our, our uh, podcast producer is pretty fun to watch. But he's not that good at football. He's not good size. Anyway, we're, let's move forward before no we keep saying. No one's drafting Ethan. Exactly. Uh, Pac-12. All right. Not a ton of talent in the Pac-12. I don't, I don't I, I, you know, I, I, talk, I pop on LaVisca Chenault. I want to see him win those wide receiver wins I talk about and impress man and, and get off the line of scrimmage. You know, he's got that size. Instead, I see him running the wildcat and wide open on underneath soft zones. And, and he does well after the catch. I know that. But, again, if we're going to start talking about this guy as a first-round prospect, I really do need to see more than just great yards after the catch ability. Get it to him. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think you can – he is that special as mm-hmm. a playmaker with the ball in his hands yeah. that – I'll forgive some of the uh, you know the fact that we haven't really seen it yet because he's so freakishly athletic. He is so good with the ball in his hands and just so explosive that and so good at the catch point too. He has good ball skills. Like yeah. he went at something like eight of nine in contested situations last season. Like he catches the ball. It's not that he doesn't have ball skills, it's just that he doesn't get utilized that way in their offense. So yeah, I, I, I agree though. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that I wish we could see and hopefully will see at some point from him. But yeah, again, yeah. it's just not, need to see some one on one. And you're not going to yeah. get him. He's an underclassman. You're not going to get him at senior bowl if he does declare. Yes. Am I right? Yeah. So yes. it was LaVisca. Give me, give me some looks. I need to see some looks. And you're using the Wildcat again. That does nothing for me from an evaluation standpoint. Let me, let me see this guy against man coverage. Win some because he's got he's got that size and there's some concerns. You know, it's not a guarantee he's great mm-hmm. at that stuff. So. Another guy I want to bring up, Zach Moss, staying in the Pac-12, Utah. I watched uh, the first game, Utah, I think it was the, was it the Holy War. or My first game watching Zach Moss this year, the Holy War, with our president of the company, Neil Hornsby. And Neil Hornsby hates running backs. Like PFF, all, all PFF hates running backs. He said, Zach Moss is the best player on the field right now. He's loving running backs. I don't think he <laughs> drafted him in the fourth round, uh, higher than the fourth round, but still. And I, I kind of agree with him now after watching him. He's, he's great. Forcing his tackles and adds yards above his expectations. Balance is fantastic. We used to uh, coin a term, Steve and I, a few years back called oh. balance ratio, oh. which because we were making up fake scouting terms because uh, pretty much all scouting terms seem fake. Yeah. Uh, if you think about them long enough. But yeah, balance ratio basically just means can you take a hit and mm-hmm. stay uh, on because balance isn't like necessarily a trait that you have a number for, but I do think his balance is as good as any running back in this class. Yeah. Balance is great. Again, it goes back to when you're, if you're going to be a running back, we want to draft. Early day three, yeah. you need to be adding yards above expectation as a runner and be a factor in the passing game. He's breaking tackles more than one every two carries. Mm-hmm. So 32 broken tackles on 57 carries, That's which is, yeah, we've, sure. we haven't seen a rate like that sustained for a full season or even close. Late addition to the Pac-12, name you need to bring up, Miles Bryant. Yes. Have to talk about Miles Bryant. The safety for Washington was... They're churning out DBs. You talk about DBU, you see it. that conversation They're, about DBs. They yeah. churn There's out DBs. There's only one DBU. Uh, no one knows which where it is, but Texas thought it was them. Uh, but I, I do think Washington of late has been churning out DBs. This is going to be the next one. Slot cornerback last year. He's undersized, like 5'9", 185. Move him to safety this year. Uh, and he made a couple plays against Hawaii that were, you know, this eye-opening, the, the high-level plays that yep. we talk about that at the safety position you want to see because safety is a very playmaker-heavy position. It is instincts and being able to read what's in front of you is very important. And if you can do that at a high level quickly a few times, uh, you feel better about that evaluation than a guy who's never done it in his mm-hmm. career. And so two plays against Hawaii, 
One, he breaks on an out route from kind of an overhang safety uh, from the slot, uh, broke on the out route, got in front of him, picked it off. And one, he just took the ball away from the running back underneath, following underneath in coverage. A uh, little dump off pass, he comes up right at the catch point and just steals it from him. So both those plays were fantastic. Like I said, great out really well slot corner. So you love those slot slash safety type of guys. We got Fitzpatrick. We traded him in about a year. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think he's playing his way uh, up some draft boards at this point. Absolutely. Going to the group of five, mm-hmm. bringing up my guy Josh Jones. He's a guy we talked about as a guy to watch. A guy to watch going in on last week's episode. He played really well against yes. Washington State. 90.9 overall grade, 87.1 pass blocking grade, 89.6 run blocking grade. That's a mm-hmm. season high, the latter metric. Six foot seven, 310 pounds. We talked about his athletic profile last week. It's time, more than Bruffy, I would say, it's time to start bringing this guy up. He looks a little bit better than Bruffy. He goes up against his two power five matchups. You know, Oklahoma, Washington State already hasn't allowed a pressure on either. On, Here we uh, go. 71 pass blocking snaps. And he has a lot of, a lot of guys that produce at tackle positioning in college don't even have a hope sniff in the NFL mm-hmm. at that position. You just have to be a different level of athlete. You have to have a different level of length. And it's just normal for most tackles. Jones has the length. Jones has the athleticism. Uh, another guy who the senior bowl is going to be huge for yep. this guy. You just you need it to some degree uh, just to see him go up against top competition. But I honestly think he's going to go there and hold his own. The Josh Jones I think train he could actually go there. selling tickets. And, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of him as a prospect. Uh, I think he's in the day two conversation. Oh, Day two. Josh Jones' hype train is selling tickets, but we're not going to be selling them for long. Either yes. get on or get off. Here we go. Staying in the group of five, SMU. Mm-hmm. They're turning out some receiving talent, and, and there's these two guys there that I'm seeing some hype on, on on Twitter. I think people like this guys. Reggie Robertson, James Prochet. James Prochet mostly works in the slot. Robertson, I think, wears number 21, outside receiver. Both those guys have produced really well. Receiving grades are strong to start this year, and they played well last year. What have you seen from those two kind of on tape, and what your, what's your takes on them? Well, I love Shane Bouchelle, mm-hmm. the SMU QB. True, yes. Back when he was at Texas, dude was a gamer, mm-hmm. slinging around the yard, so I, I think they got a good quarterback throwing That's going to always help production. But I did think when I watched him over the course of the offseason, was kind of making cuts for the draft guide. Mm-hmm. Both got left on the chopping block. Yikes. So I have to go back and watch 2019, but both got left on the chopping block going into mm-hmm. this year. SMU offense has churned out a lot of receiving talent in yeah. recent years. A couple guys starting around the NFL from that offense recently, but I just didn't see it last year. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll yeah. go back and revisit the tape here later in the year. Group of five. The group of five does not get better than Curtis Weaver, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I know they went against Portland State. Okay, I, I get it. I went to that school. I think it has like eight people there, and half of them play for the football team. Curtis Weaver dominated Portland State. It was disgusting. I turned on the Marvin Wilson tape, liked it because it, at least it was against UVA, Power 5 school. Mm-hmm. Had to turn off Weaver. I was going to come out of that game thinking he was the number one overall pick. Portland State struggled to you know protect against him. I, I think Curtis Weaver, though, he might be legit. It's more than just a cupcake mm. matchups. He might be legit. No, he's very legit. I think Curtis Weaver, what we saw from him against FSU in week one was dominating. What we saw from down the stretch back in 2018 was dominating no matter who he went up against. And I love his versatility. When mm-hmm. he had, he didn't kick you love DI, I mean, defensive line versatility. Lo- it's, Kingsley it's Kiki, the NFL. You're all the way it. it's going today. <laughs> but he, what he can do in terms of hasn't kicked inside a bunch for Boise State, but on those snaps when he does, he Sauces guards. Going to go back to our paper where he sauces guards (laughs) because he has just incredible hands. He has heavy hands. You're going to hear that a lot draft season. Sometimes it's a lie. Not everyone has heavy hands. Curtis Mm. Weaver has heavy hands. hands. When he strikes guys, their hands go down. Some guys, guys, when they hit that strike, they can't affect the offensive lineman's hands. Curtis Weaver does. Big fan of him. We put him as a first-round grade going into this year. Nothing to change my mind this year. A guy, though, that I want to highlight. Does he have heavy hands? Not quite as heavy oh. hands. A little more, uh, a little more explosive off the edge. A little more kind of a bendy type of guy. Alex Highsmith, mm-hmm. Charlotte, highest graded edge defender in the country. Three three games now. Space Gardner Webb, Appalachian State, and UMass. Just going to tackle keep, just, gonna, just, obviously. Gonna, <laughs> just going to keep that. But we'll highlight him on the next podcast. He plays Clemson this upcoming week. Ooh, so. That's a good matchup for him. Probably mm-hmm. the only matchup. That's the only actually uh, matchup he'll face the rest of the year. That's worth any sort of damn. Uh, so the tackles there: Tremaine Ankrum, Jack Carmen. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he does some work against yeah. him because I'm very impressed with what I've seen from him. 17 pressures through three games here. Like I said, highest grade edge fan in the country. So Alex Highsmith, name to watch. We're not leaving the group of five just yet. Okay. Southern Miss wide receiver, 5'10", 180 pounds, Jalen mm. Adams. Talk about speed. Dude, it, it, go watch. <laughs> you, I've seen it. Go watch. But I need it. If you're, go search Jalen Adams' uh, punt return. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's in fast forward, yeah. the way he is running. 
Uh, the punter's still chasing seen, him. I've never seen anything quite like it. The punter was like a good like maybe eight yards mm-hmm. in front of him. Yeah. And he made, up those, he made up those eight <laughs> yards in ten yards. Like the, 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 He was past him mm-hmm. in the blink of an eye. This dude's going to run in the four twos, maybe. Yeah. Like he's that fast uh, this past weekend. Caught ten balls, 170-plus yards, uh, three deep catches. Uh, I mean, he's not necessarily refined. Only a redshirt sophomore, so probably not on the radar for 2020. Yeah. Probably more 2021, 2022. I mean, especially coming out of Southern Miss. You're an early but, entry out of yeah. Southern Miss. You better have something. But to be already producing that sort of next-level type of speed, I'm intrigued. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. I'm intrigued. I'm not putting him in any, any yeah. not going to give a round grade to him, but I'm intrigued. You know, look at that, Troy, 11 of 12. Uh, receptions on um, 11 receptions on 12 targets, 180 yards, no touchdowns, 16.4 yards per reception. That's good production. Mm-hmm. Definitely a name to watch. Was he fun to watch? I don't know. Heavy hands? It's I hard mean, to say. Balance ratio, we'll still find out. But again, <laughs> it looks fast. That Twitter clip, well worth your time. I think it only lasts about I mean, a looks second. fast. I think you can safely say is fast. Is unless, fast. unless there were like some editing tricks there Dude, played on us. But just is fast. speeding up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's time for draft specials of the week. Yes. Let's cut the prospects out. We're going to be reviewing prospects on Thursday's podcast. It's going to be live on YouTube. You can you know, tune in on Apple Podcasts sooner rather than later. We're getting that up. Spotify, Stitcher. But for now, let's go to the rookies. It's time to go to the NFL. Yes. Draft specials of the week. We're pouring them up on tap. Offense. We're going to break down offense, then defense. Mm-hmm. Got to bring up my guy, Debo Samuel. Yes. First and foremost, I bring him up because he's already heavily involved in the Niners offense. That was hyping up Dante Pettis. Leading and, in snaps. Yes. Like and now, the now he, they are funneling him targets. Yeah. They're designing plays for this guy. They're throwing him across the line, you know, all the way behind the line of scrimmage. He's getting yards after catch. What looks good for him right now is that, that yards after catch ability. Mm-hmm. Looks fast. Good forcing missed tackles. You know, again, heavily involved in the offense. Still wish he was winning downfield routes. They don't ask him to do that, though. They just want the ball in his hands. No, I mean, he's a, he's a built like a running back. He's yes. 5'11", 215. Yes. So dude, I, I got to pause you there. Can I pause you there? Yeah. Debo Samuel, built like a running back. I compared him to Ty Montgomery a little bit. But everyone, since they drafted Jalen Hurd, was like, he could play running back. I was like, if you're going to play any receiver you just drafted <laughs> at running back, it's Debo it Samuel. It should be Debo Samuel. Jalen yeah. Hurd looked bad at running back <laughs> unless he was playing high school. You turn on Hurd's high school tape, yeah. yeah, he dominated running back. He dominated everybody on the field. Looked like that Southern Miss guy. There but Debo, been... he has that ability, yes. that, that versatility oh, to play running back slot outside. And I think the Niners, Kyle Shanahan specifically, knows it. Yeah, I mean, this past week, 87 yards, 80 of them come after the catch. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get the ball in his hands, knowing that good things happen when he has the ball. And it goes mm-hmm. back to almost the LaVisca Chanel thing. Yes. He, they're somewhat similar prospects, or Ooh. I guess Debo's already in the NFL, mm-hmm. but somewhat similar in that Debo had great ball skills. Debo's going to catch the ball. Didn't win necessarily downfield a ton, but when he got the ball in his hands, good things were going to happen with it. Uh, to me, that's LaVisca Chanel. Debo Samuel there, the 49ers are figuring that out too. He, he has, I'm not, I'm not, I think I'm selling him short there. He's a good route runner in his mm-hmm. own right too. Oh, no, uh, he that's has why great routes, but they're not one. asking yeah. him to do that right now. Exactly. I think they're involving him in the offense knowing that he can win after the catch on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the trenches before we talk about the other skill player on our list. Eric McCoy, New Orleans Saints, starting for them, playing at a very high level. It's a guy you really liked coming out. I, I yep. had a chance to interview him pre-draft. This guy was a very mm-hmm. cerebral prospect, very smart. You're kind of seeing that right now on the field. Talk to me about Eric McCoy. Yeah, I think he's very versatile mm-hmm. in the fact that the Saints offense is going to ask their offensive line to do a lot of different things. Yeah. They ask him uh, in the running game to run basically any sort of concept you want, and that was what McCoy could do coming out of Texas a He was quick, but also had the strength to play in any sort of scheme. All right, through two games, only two pressures allowed. Uh, I think that's just what the Dr. Oil and interior. And I said it coming into this season, uh, Max Unger was not playing well. Like mm-hmm. Max Unger kind of got protected by the fact that Drew Brees gets the ball out of his hands pretty much immediately. So interior pressure is not going to be getting on him. But Max Unger was sort of a liability. There's a reason why he retired this past offseason. I mm-hmm. thought they had a chance to not just replace Max Unger, but upgrade at that center position, it looks like, with McCoy. They have. Uh, and it's going to be even more necessary now because Bridgewater's not going to be operating the offense at the same speed not that Drew Brees is. He's going to be holding the ball just a touch longer, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. No one's operating the offense the way Drew Brees was. So Eric McCoy, the pick, uh, looking even more valuable now for the Saints. Absolutely. Trenches maybe a, a notable performance on the offensive side of the ball, but did not is not played well. Not a bad Looks pretty bad. Titus Howard, Houston Texans, has performed awfully in the trenches of the Houston Texans right now. It is not Good. Run blocking grades, bad. Pass blocking grades, bad. He looks overdrafted, not ready, adjusting to the speed of the NFL, and really it's going to take time. It's going to take time coming from a small school like he did. The biggest thing with him was he graded out really well at the senior ball, and he looked there from a pass protection standpoint in terms of 
uh, skill, skill wise, mm -hmm. strength was not there. Yeah. He just did not have to hold up against the bull rush. You saw the rep against Montez Sweat at the Senior Bowl, where he bull rushed him flat on his back pretty much immediately uh, as soon as they made contact. He just does not have that anchor. It was not, you know, Alabama State. Uh, sort of weight room ain't the same as the NFL weight room. Probably yeah. wasn't getting the best sort of strength training there. Now that you're you'll be getting Alabama State's weight room. I mean, I mean I just, it's just a fact of life <laughs> at this point. But Titus Howard uh, does not look there from a strength mm -hmm. standpoint. He just is three hurries this past week playing at left guard. Uh, it's unfortunate because mm -hmm. they needed him. I mean, they drafted him to be a tackle. You don't draft him 23rd overall at tackle to when you have need at left and right tackle if you don't think he's going to be, mm -hmm. and it's clear off yeah. the bat that he has not been what they expected. You compare Alabama State's you know, weight room to the NFL. How about Alabama State's to Alabama going to Josh Jacobs now? It would be a little different. Yeah, a little bit different. Josh Jacobs a little rocked up. Oakland Raiders running back. They drafted him in the first round for I'm not sure why, but again, he's playing, <laughs> he's playing really well right now. Highest, so kind highest graded running back in football. Yeah. That's why. That's why. And, yeah. and we, we had this guy as the number one running back. We knew he was the best. We, did we call him a first-round talent? No. No. For run, for the best running backs in every class aren't going to be first-round talents no. unless they're freakish receivers, you know, that can really mm -hmm. impact the game in versatile positional alignments like slot and outside receiver. Josh Jacobs, though, forcing missed tackles. He had a, a, a really nice run where he forced multiple missed tackles. He caught a pass against um, Kansas City this week in a big blowout loss. Uh, Josh Jacobs looks really good, but again – I want to talk about drafting running backs, though. I think that that's the bigger conversation with Jacobs. He looks great. Highest grade running back in football, yet he's not adding points. to the Raiders' offense right yeah, now. Yeah, 10 points against Casey. Exactly. It, it, the biggest thing with me that I thought would be different, uh, he has one target. That, that's a One target, concern. that one catch. I mean, mm -hmm. it was nice. to get 28-yard first down. Mm -hmm. He broke three tackles. If you'll remember back to week one against Denver, get him involved in the passing game. I thought John Gruden would be, you know, that's why, that was a big reason why they would have drafted him that early was to get him involved to do some things because that's what separated him in our minds from the rest of these guys, the Miles Sanderses, the yeah. Daryl Hendersons, who we liked as runners, didn't hold a candle to Josh Jacobs in mm -hmm. terms of receiving ability. So Jacobs' receiving ability, you to take advantage of that at Raiders' offense. Absolutely. Because without Antonio Brown now, mm -hmm. there's still... A little, how can you funnel, a little bereft of playmakers. a little bereft of playmakers. How can you, you could, funnel targets to Josh Jacobs when you have Tyrell Williams and Ryan Grant, okay, and Darren Waller? There's no the, reason. Josh Jacobs is an afterthought. No. 22 routes run, yeah. one target, unacceptable. You know, Sam Monson called this guy one of the best receiving prospects in the class, and everyone, no one was really talking about his receiving chops. He could mm -hmm. win downfield. Mm -hmm. you know, really, you know, they took advantage Great of it bosses. in Alabama. Yeah. The Raiders needed to do that with Josh Jacobs. Again, grading really well. Not adding a ton you know, to that offense. Yeah, they still yeah. only scored 10 points. Derek Carr threw two pretty bad interceptions in that one. Going to the defense, Savage, Maryland. Mm. Great 10-yard split at the combine. Look, you saw that on tape. Very twitchy, quick out of his breaks. Start, I think he's starting to recognize the game faster than I thought, yes. too. I think his instincts are better than what I thought. Yeah, forced that big PBU that turned into an interception that, for Green Bay this past that's week. That's the biggest thing, the mm -hmm. game-changing place that yes. he brings to this that he is capable of, that we saw at Maryland, and that his speed uh, can bring to mm -hmm. a defense that runs the time of a single high, that puts him in yeah. a role where uh, if you have a playmaker at that position, all of a sudden it changes the game, yep. forces a fumble, pass break of the turns to a pick, had a drop pick that was then an OPI on Adam Thielen. Like, those are plays that... They didn't have any of last year in the Packers' defense. And so you had three plays like that in one week. Uh, it's just night and day from what we saw in the Packers' defense. Yeah. So it looks like the real deal right now That's what they've done the first two weeks. I think Darnell Savage is a great prospect to bring up to discuss PFF's like evaluation process. Because mm -hmm. I remember watching Darnell Savage at the Combine with you on tape. And, and in PFF Ultimate, a tool that's available to NFL and NCAA teams and ourselves, we're able to sort down and filter to all of Darnell Savage's plays in the slot. Yep. All of his targets of 10-plus yards and turn mm -hmm. on the film and watch them back-to-back. -back. That allows us really to get a great idea of what Savage could do in coverage in the slot, what he could do against the run when we want yeah. to see those snaps. And it, it, that's the same thing for receivers, receivers against press and all these things. I think that ability for us is very underrated in our, in our way to kind of evaluate these players. Because then you go back and look at the grade, and you grade out pretty well, mm -hmm. but not you know your elite Derwin James from the year before, but then we go back and look at the negative place. He bid on like three uh, – he bid on like a double yes, pass against that's Maryland. Right, that's right. He bid on a fake screen, mm -hmm. wheel route type of thing. Like mm -hmm. he was biting on stuff. He was overly aggressive yeah. on things that you're like, oh, you can like almost coach that out of him. It wasn't so bad, mm -hmm. but those are going to really hurt you in our grades. He missed a few open field tackles, did it again this past week yep. on the big run of Dalvin Cook. You're going to live with those 
for the playmaking ability. Because exactly. we also saw the playmaking ability mm-hmm. where he was just all over the field making plays that uh, safeties that don't run four or three exactly. sevens with ridiculous 10-yard splits could even make. And, and with PFF's grading process, grading every player at the NFL and college level from negative two to positive two, we're even down to get the playlist of let's see all his negatively graded plays. Let's see what he, where he was at his worst. And then you're mm-hmm. able to watch a separate playlist of all his positively graded plays mm-hmm. where he is at his high end. Yeah. That ability for us, again, super underrated, allows us to kind of look at Darnell Savage at a further microscope than just the grade, at a further microscope than just broadcast film. Dexter Lawrence, got to bring this guy up. Highest graded run defender in the class, still yes. struggles as a pass rusher, probably wasn't a first-round pick, especially when you're watching OBJ make one-handers on Monday Night Football <laughs> when you get Dexter Lawrence playing kind of good against the run. Yeah, uh, Dexter Lawrence, I mean, they got a lesser version of Damon Harrison back for yeah. it. Well, they got good value for, Dexter, Damon the, for Harrison. Harrison. <laughs> that fifth-rounder uh, got put to good use. But, I mean, Dexter Lawrence... Still only, I think he's only 21 years old. So mm-hmm. he's, we touched on Marvin Wilson being only 21 years old. Dexter yeah. Lawrence is still young. Uh, I just wish he slimmed down a little bit. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to trim down a little bit more, get a little still more. Still big boy. A little more quick off the ball, still a big boy. Mm-hmm. And, and you just Fear add that. segment. Dexter Lawrence is a <laughs> monster. At that weight, uh, and we've seen it through two weeks, he's only played 62 snaps. Mm-hmm. only averaged you know, 31 snaps a game. Uh, you're not affecting. And he's not playing play. a ton of pass rush snaps. You look exactly. at it, 29 pass rush snaps, you are, three pressures. Four defensive stops in the run game. That's good. But, again, he's not even a Damon Harrison-level run defender. Again, trading OBJ, and I have to bring this up just because OBJ looks like a dynamic player. I don't know if Greg Williams watched him or not. Mm -hmm. But he looks very good on Monday Night Football. And when you think about trading away a talent like that that impacts the game as much as OBJ does Mm -hmm. for – you know, obviously they trade for a first-round pick, but they, to get Dexter Lawrence out of that, a guy that's never going to be, you know, just such yeah. an impactful player at, at that level. Well, and then it's and then you compound it with they had the best nose tackle in football, mm-hmm. run defending rows, nose tackle. If you're yeah. going to draft a guy and not play him on pass downs, you had him, already, yes, and you exactly. couldn't do better than you him. You trade him for a so, fifth rounder. Yeah, I nice. don't know. I want to stay on the Giants for. We a don't bit. have to. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to stay on the Giants for a bit. Though. No, but I, yeah, I do. But, yeah. I want to bring up Daniel Jones. Yeah, obviously named as a starter. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that I know you didn't hate. You know, you, you know there are people tossing hatred on this kid. Yeah. You know, people wanted to just dive this guy in the dirt when he was picked. There were fans booing in Nashville. Was it in Nashville? Or was it draft? Nashville yes. this year. Yeah, in Nashville. But you got you liked him. I mean, he has a terrible supporting cast in Duke. Mm-hmm. Just give me your expectations for Daniel Liked Jones. Liked him. I wouldn't have starting. drafted him where they drafted yes. him. I was more like, hey, if you draft him 24th overall, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight you. Uh, because I do think a lot of things he did in college were directly translatable. And I thought that they should have started him earlier because a lot of things like pocket presence, uh, being able to uh, you know, go through progressions quickly, get the ball out of his hands, protect himself. Yeah. Those sort of things that you almost have to teach. Or you know, if you're fixing a guy's mechanics, you don't want him to get thrown to the wolves right away. A lot of those things... Uh, where basically he had them, you weren't going to change them, he didn't need to alter a lot. And at that point, just let the guy play football and you know get it adjusted to the NFL speed and see what you got with him. Uh, so I thought, you know, he's ready to play. Eli Manning is not good. So uh, breaking news there, mm-hmm. Eli Manning's not good. So might as well throw him in right away and see what you got. And I think week three they finally realized, hey, yeah, we're not good still. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones is capable of this. Mm-hmm. We saw in the preseason was one of the higher graded quarterbacks uh, in our preseason, the highest graded rookie. At Think in our preseason grading, yeah. so great seventh yeah. overall quarterback among players with fifty dropbacks in a preseason. Yeah, so, so I mean, he looked good. Looked or big capable. time throws, zero turnover worthy plays yeah. in the preseason. The biggest thing though with me was just accuracy, consistent accuracy wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. But you hate uh, to and see decision making. He hate just to see bad have, accuracy at the college level. Uh, he just had uh, would just make some throws down the field where you're just like, where are you? What do you look? What do you think about mm-hmm. it? And he was tough to evaluate in that Duke offense. He had no talent around him. Remember the Clemson game? There was probably about ten dropbacks where. Uh, Peyton Manning's prime is not going to complete a pass. No one's open. You know, someone has to get open. No one yeah. was. So I think uh, it's a difficult eval. What he was coming out. There's a lot of things to like, but you got you get better at football by playing football. Let, guy, let him rip. Nice. It's going to be a tougher evaluation, too, because he doesn't have a great supporting cast in New York yeah, either. I mean, he has Saquon Barkley, but the, the receiving O-line goal, at least is yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, O-line's good, Barkley. Mm-hmm. Evan Ingram has looked good on a heavy target share. Receivers, I mean, Benny Fowler's not going to give you a ton. But I, I think... Again, I, I, I'm so surprised by the Giants two weeks in. Eli Manning earns like under 65.0 overall grade through the first two weeks, and they're already pulling the plug. Why didn't you guys get this guy, Dayon Jones, the reps in the offseason and start him week one if you were just I mean, going to pull the plug on Manning two games in where he hasn't looked abysmal? We just got done talking about how they just 
tra- traded the best nose tackle in the NFL True. to draft one maybe. first. <laughs> there's, if you think there's this long, overarching plan to all of this, uh, you haven't been paying attention. That's that's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, enough about the preview of Daniel <laughs> Jones, though. It is exciting to see the Giants, I think, making the right call. I still think it is the mm-hmm. right call to move him into Week 3. He goes against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense that has looked a lot better. They rank inside the top 10 in EPA allowed, EPA uh, expected points allowed on defense. I think that could be... An interesting mashup. They have some young defenders playing well. Sean Murphy yeah. bunting. Carlton Davis playing above expectation. So, tough test for Daniel Jones in week one. Another guy, uh, rookie, notable performance. Let's keep on there. Taylor Rapp. He had a great, I, I, he didn't have a, a great overall game, but I'm bringing his name up because he had a huge diving pass breakup against Jared Cook. Yes. And I'm all in now. Mm-hmm. I'm all in on Taylor Rapp. I really liked him coming out. Sure tackler coming out of Washington, a.k.a. DBU. Mm, DBU. Very, you know, very good playing in the safety, very instinctual. He's not an elite athlete. He showed that at the Combine. Everyone bagged on him for that. But he's still, those instincts are coming up. I think it, yeah. adjust, when you're not a good athlete, it's going to take some time to adjust to the speed of the NFL mm-hmm. to a point where you're having that um, – VHS, vision head start, another scouting term me and yeah. Sam made up. Vision head start in the NFL to where you can start making plays. Darnell Savage instantly can make plays in the, in the NFL because he's that fast. Taylor Rapp, he needs to adjust to speed, le- learn to take his shots, and like he did against Jared What Cook. I like is that the Rams drafted him with a role in mind and with uh, a role in mind that was going to fit him best. Yeah. They didn't draft him, oh, he's a safety, we're going to play him uh, just you know, as you would a safety. He is no their nickel dime, linebacker, whatever you want to call it. He plays the slot, plays in the box, hasn't played a single snap deep uh, this season. Ooh, excuse me, one snap deep oh. so far this season. So he's not a deep safety. He's not actually a safety. He is a around-the-scrimmage, around-the-line scrimmage coverage person, mm-hmm. which with his 4.8 speed, that's what he was going to be. That's mm-hmm. who he I got a, was. I got a lukewarm take off that. Mm-hmm. I think eventually, maybe in the next 10 years, we're going to stop calling box players, linebackers, and safeties, it's going to be a box defender. I feel like that's where it has to go, well, though. You know, well, I, I think where it actually is going is Clemson's defense this year mm-hmm. uh, has three safeties. Yeah. That they just, uh, one's, they don't basically, like, there's no roll of two deep and then one in the box. Yeah. All three can play anywhere at any wow. point. I think the linebacker position just goes away, and you just have all safeties. That's Guys right. that are interchangeable between mm-hmm. in the box but and playing At that point, deep. are they even safeties? And then, yeah. They're playing so have, close, yeah. You know. just have coverage defenders. Jeez. I'm excited. Deep, Can't right? wait for that nominal <laughs> change. Um, last notable performance. We're going back to Oakland, but it's not as positive. Mm. Cleveland Farrell, looking exactly like what we thought Cleveland Farrell looked like before he was drafted. I think number fourth overall yeah. in this class. Not explosive. Struggling to you know create pass rush wins in one-on-one situations. Penalties. There, th- this has been a very bad start for Cleveland Farrell. Yeah, penalty in each game. Uh, pass rushing grade of 60.5 mm. right off the bat. And... Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. are we surprised? No, we're not. not at all. I mean, you, you were on we... the couch out there when, <laughs> when he got drafted, and you're like, yeah, this is probably not a good idea. You know, he's not explosive. Can't win one-on-one yeah. situations, you're, especially when you have Josh Allen still on the board. I remember. Brian Burns still on the board. Other guys that can win. Upgraded yes. all right to start off. Mm-hmm. I just remember being like, I didn't think there was anything that could actually surprise me. That actually that did. I got you. That actually I got you. So, and then yeah, they surprised you even further, taking a box safety later, <laughs> and then running back to finish. Just or, or no, I think it was vice versa, but still. Yeah. Uh, exciting stuff going down in Oakland. Really excited about things there. Let's go to our blackout segment. Segments. Put, you know, tying, a, tying a bow on the draft specials where mm-hmm. we talk about notable rookie performances. We are going to dive into our blackout segment. Um, this is where we talk about performances to forget. I've had yeah. a, a fair, a few, a fair share of blackouts, performances I wish I forget. And wish they and still remember what they Yes, did. yeah. Well, we got to start. Uh, I'm going to go to New York. Mm. A lot of performances to forget in New York. DeAndre Baker, Georgia corner. A guy we liked coming out. He graded really well at Georgia. Played yeah. well against press. Very physical corner. Has been burnt to a crisp in weeks one and in weeks two. Has yeah. not played well at all. Under 30.0 coverage grade, by the way, is very, very bad mm-hmm. on the 0 to 100 scale. He has not played well. Struggled against Gallup. Struggle against John Brown. Struggle against Amari Cooper. He has not found a matchup where he is playing well. And I think he's playing a ton of snaps, too. I mean, it's trial by fire, and we're watching a fire burn. And it's in a Giants jersey. I think he's wearing 27. 100, 272 yards through two games, which oh. uh, that might lead the NFL if that he was is, a receiver. Yes. Um, that's bad. <laughs> if he was Perfect passer rating. Uh, when he's been targeted. And the thing I worried about for him was the downfield. I mean, he's given up catches of 62 and 51 already through two games. Mm-hmm. That's I worried about that comes in. because he was one of those college guys who would sit at 8 to 10 yards, and if all of a sudden he knew that was translating to a deep route, hit him, blast hit him. him. Yeah. Because you can do that in college. And that get away with that, and you get a step back, You're and you don't have to be. Yeah. He's not getting away with that now. And he's very much not getting away with that now. <laughs> he is getting 
straight line roasted mm -hmm. a handful of times. Rookie corners, it's always a struggle. Yeah. Don't look good. And it's rookie corner, and he's going against some speedy guys. I mean, you yeah. talk about his downfield ability not being great. Amari Cooper, Gallup, John Brown. That's yeah. tough. You know, toast is going to ensue, okay? And, and it's a blackout performance you forget. You have another blackout. one. This is a guy who played really well at NC State in the outside zone. Everyone talked about perfect center for Kubiak scheme. Maybe we didn't bring up his pass protection enough? We didn't bring up his pass protection <laughs> enough because that's still what matters the most of the NFL. And Garrett Bradbury, Viking center, has a 0.0 grade through two weeks. Now, is that good? Granted, <laughs> Grady Jarrett got him week one. Grady Jarrett, tough matchup. Kenny Clark got him week two. Kenny Clark... Probably the best all-around no sack in the NFL right now. Ooh. But he's playing in the North. He's going to go against Damon Harrison. That's not going to be any easier twice a year. Kenny Clark again later in the year. You know, Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. It's going to be tough. Oh, man. It's and the Akeem, NFL. Akeem, Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman gave Dalton Reiser some fits after yeah. a really good week one for that rookie Kansas State product. Akeem Hicks comes against Garrett Bradbury. This is going to be an absolute slaughter. Yeah, and so he's given up six pressures already on 53 pass-blocking snaps. We've seen guys like Rodney Hudson not give up that many for a whole season mm. at the center position. Uh, so not a good start Different for him. We can, he, he'll turn it around. It's a, definitely a, an adjustment period. We even mm -hmm. saw Quentin Nelson struggle a little bit at the beginning of last year. This yeah. isn't a complete death knell to his career, but it's, again, something that was why we weren't higher on him uh, as pretty much the general public was, why we had Elton Jenkins over him in our interior offensive line rankings, while we had uh, Chris Lindstrom over him in our interior offensive line rankings, just the pass pro. Mm -hmm. I mean, he went to the Senior Bowl and did not have the anchor that you wanted. You look at him on tape, and it's just thin, Thinner than pretty much all the other offensive linemen on that NC State line. Thin base and just got bull rushed uh, constantly. You truly, truly hate to see it. And you speak of thin base. This guy was recruited at NC State as a tight end. Yeah. Packed on the freshman 15 and then some. Converted to center. Small and I think, arms, though. Yeah, small arms. Don't bring up Blake Castron. You don't have to bring up. He had a batted pass, by the way. I almost tweeted he you last night. Castron, yeah. I had tweeted you last night because he had a great batted pass, and I was ready to just oh. like his arms grew or whatever it was. It wasn't. It wasn't oh. going to be a great text. I'm no, glad that, I didn't send it. Yeah. Um, Blackout performances at the collegiate level. Colin Johnson, this guy I, I liked in the offseason. I was starting to get on the hype. I saw a practice video. I was ready to go all in. Almost mm -hmm. submitted the card then. He struggled. One yes. catch on seven contested opportunities. He's averaging less than two yards per reception after the catch. Oof. That dynamism that you want, like that separation mm -hmm. ability, that speed, I don't see it. And we do need to see it. He did go against some tough matchups. LSU's defense is very good. But... Man, it's not a good start. It's a blackout performance, in my opinion. No, but that's the thing. It's like he has gone up against LSU. He goes up against Christian Fulton. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that LSU defense. You want to see him. You want to see him win. Like he goes up against guys who play in the NFL, and he doesn't win contested catches. One of five uncontested catches for the year. Oh man, from only 104 yards to three games. That's just a tough start. If you're six six, 220 pounds, and you're getting something like that at the catch point by college corners, only going to get harder for you yeah. at the NFL level. If it's just something big, you have to dominate yeah. at. Mm -hmm. When you're that size, to be good enough to mm -hmm. say, like I said, contest catchability, third or fourth on your sort of hierarchy of yeah. wide receiver traits. Mm -hmm. And if you're not utterly dominant at it. Yeah. If you're big, not that fast. I mean, he's not, he's not terribly slow, but if mm -hmm. you're big and you're a bad contested catch receiver, things are going to suck for you in the NFL. Yeah. Um, let's bring up your blackout performance. My blackout performance was Paul Sinadebo, oh. Stanford corner. I've I worried still feel it. about him. Oh. <sighs> the Gabriel Davis, the double move. Uh, R.I.P. is Oldebo's ankles. Mm -hmm. They just got. Uh, but that's the thing is like his feet are so much clunkier. So uh, he just has so many bad turns down the field compared to other guys. Feet. Inefficient feet. Very good way of putting it. Uh, incredible ball skills. The best ball skills in this class. He attacks the catch point uh, as well as any college corner I've seen. Led the nation of pass breakups last season. But man, his stick tuitiveness. I don't think that's the right way to use stick that. But like the, his, his ability to stick with wide receivers <laughs> is not close to some of the other top corners in this mm -hmm. class. He makes up with it with those ball skills. If you put him in a zone scheme where you can kind of just, you know, jump on routes, make those sort of plays, so be it. But if you're going to play in man, I think things could get ugly. And I think he's kind of limited to that outside corner. He's a scheme-limited guy. Uh, and you saw it get exposed this mm -hmm. past weekend. And this is a guy that earned a 90.3 coverage grade a year ago. It's yeah. not a guy that's a, 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 a dud. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk specifically about double moves. You, yes. know, you see double moves are the highlight. I like, I love double moves, especially when mm -hmm. the corner either gets roasted or the receiver plays really well. How do you evaluate really double moves? What are you looking for in a double move when like a receiver pulls one off and when a corner cornerback gets you know toasted cr to a crunch like Paul Sadema? <laughs> well, I think one of the biggest things is frequency. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if a guy's Getting if Zach Sanchez from back in the day, oh. the Oklahoma corner. Uh, I mean, he would probably Fantastic had a dozen, reference. He probably had a dozen times uh, mm -hmm. his last year at Oklahoma. They've been just on double moves. At double that moves. point, <laughs> you're, at that point, it's like 
you, 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 it's a non-starter. stick to itiveness. <laughs> That's a non-starter if your instincts are that bad at biting on double moves that ended up happening in the pros. Uh, and it's two is recoverability. If you bite and then just you oh, look true. like you're uh, mm-hmm. absolutely out of it afterwards, <laughs> if your feet are falling all over themselves, you're yeah. slipping all over yourself. That's bad. If you bite and then you immediately you know bounce back, you know still give up the catch, but you're there. I think that's. Uh, the guy who's not going to give up on that route, that's something that you want to see as well. So Adebo on that double move kind of just, he was slopping off. He, mm-hmm. was, he was falling all over himself. It did not look yeah. pretty. Speaking of that ability to re- recover, mm-hmm. I think it brings up a play that I was watching over the offseason. Brad Stewart, the safety for Florida. I don't know if you saw this play. He was playing the deep. And he, okay. he bites on an underneath like post or a crossing route underneath. And then still the p- pass is thrown after the bite. He comes over the top and is able to break back and, and get the interception. It was like plus two in PFF's plus minus grading system. Mm-hmm. If you have a chance to go back and watch that play, mm. the his inef- not inefficient feet, that okay. thing was absurd. It, he was able to break in front of him, turn around, similar to what Jai Alexander did. I don't know if you saw the tweet I sent, mm-hmm. where, yep. where he's able to on one break route, on that up. slant and then jump over to CJ Ham and take his cookies. That that like ability to move, that twitchiness, yeah. like I said, that high end, if you see that in a prospect – it's reason that maybe, you know, if he gets beat on a double move or you start to see some production maybe against a bigger receiver mm-hmm. slow, you're willing to get go, you know, yes. look past that and exactly. move forward. Um, going away from the blackouts, no, enough blackouts. I, we already blacked out too much <laughs> over the weekend. Tuesday, can't do sure. more than four. Uh, fake ID segment. This is our segment where we want to bring up prospects that won't be declaring or can't declare for the 2020 NFL draft, but we may be let in. You know, yes. sneak them under the rug. Uh, we'll let these guys in. Let, let guys the into the bar. Fake ID. Um, a fake passport even. I don't know if people even pull those off. I lost that's, my ID. That's a little dangerous. That yeah. seems a little too, like... Illegal? Yeah. That's, like, yeah. federal fr- fraud. Speaking of fake ID segment, uh, Superbad's on Netflix now. Absolute gem. Rewatchable. Mm. Fake ID. McLovin. Anyway, moving forward. Guy I want to bring up is my fake ID. Cornerback Roger McCreary. Auburn. Former three-star recruit. True sophomore. This guy has seven forced incompletions already this season. He's done it against bad competition, over 90.0 overall grades in the past two games. Didn't play well in week one against Oregon, but has looked a lot better every week. And if a true sophomore against Oregon and Justin Herbert, you, you take a bad grade. Yeah. But now what he's doing, he's forcing him in completions, the ball, you know, the ball skills, all that stuff. Really do like what I'm seeing from him. Not calling him a breakout candidate yet, yeah. but I mean, if he shows me the fake ID, date of birth, <laughs> he knows his date of birth, knows Let his it. address, answers all the questions, I'm letting this guy in right now. I, I want to see more, though. That's where I'm at with you him. You brought him up to me before the show. I, hand up, have not gotten to watch this tape because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I've got to focus on yeah. prioritizing a I will little bit. Small. But I will, I, will, uh, I, I look forward to watching <laughs> some career tape. My fake ID guy I'm letting in is because I've watched Oregon offensive line a lot, and the best player on that Oregon offensive line is not even draft eligible. They're going to have three mm. guys drafted at least this upcoming season. Penny Sewell, the left better tackle. Better than Throckmorton. He's better than Throckmorton. Wow. I was going to throw it out there. Penny Sewell, I think he can hold up at tackle. 6'6", 325, only a sophomore. 84.0 grade last year, already at 90.6 this year. Went up against Montana, and he was uh, Montana, you know, got that little caveat, but throwing dudes all over the place. Mm-hmm. He is a powerful man, light feet for a big man. Uh, a lot to like Fish about and him. Feet? and. How Fish- heavy are the hands? I need, I need to know the scouting terms, balance ratio. <laughs> no, but yeah, uh, he's going to be first round conversation 2021, 2022, whenever he comes up. 21st birthdays, final segment before we wrap up the pod. Yes. 21st birthdays, breakout candidates. On your 21st birthday, you got to go full send. Yes. And these guys are going full send to start the year, breakout candidates. You want to start it off. Wake Forest, we talked about Carlos Basham. You're bringing up a wide receiver. Maybe not the fastest guy, but, I mean, he's celebrating his 21st birthday breakout. Again, you don't have to say maybe. We can know he's not the fastest (laughs) guy. We watched him on tape. Sage Sherratt, though, 6'3", 215, powerful dude. Tough after the catch. Eight broken tackles on 21 catches already. Ridiculously good at the catch point. Already five contested catches. Second leading receiver in all of college football. Just smoked North Carolina this past season. Him in the red zone has been very good, but, again, He's not a top-end athlete. Mm-hmm. He does not have the explosiveness. Uh, but I think he can play a big slot type of role. And with his after-the-catch ability, ability at the catch point, I think there's still some value here. Was not on the radar whatsoever for us heading into this season. Uh, put, his, put him on the map. 21st Ooh. birthday, nice. he's back on the map. Staying in Wake Forest. We talked Basham, mm-hmm. Surratt. i got to bring up my Justin Sternod. But yeah. high coverage grade so far, 90.3 at the linebacker position, 85.6 overall. That grade's down too, because the guy's got six force, I mean, six missed tackles. That's not great. You don't, you don't love that, but what he has done, 16 defensive stops in three games. That's great production from a stop standpoint and in coverage, only seven receptions allowed for 40 yards, 60 of which coming after the catch. So he's getting yeah. targeted underneath, allowing some yards, but not a ton, not a ton of big plays for him. I think Sternod, six foot three, 
235 pounds, athletic. That's what you need at the linebacker position. Yeah. Remember, 235, I'm not scared of that anymore. No, okay, it's, Brian it's, Urlacher, it's I know he was 250, linebacker. 260 plus, balding at 10 years old. I don't really care about those guys. The guys that are athletic, you know, let, you know, slight in frame. When I was interviewing, it went up South Bend, alma mater, um, talked to linebacker, Drew Tranquil. Yeah. He, he was saying in interviews, they would bring up his weight. He would, he would say, I know my weight's a weakness or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they'd say, dude, we were asking linebackers to play at 210, 215 last year. There were NFL teams asking yeah. linebackers to cut down to play in coverage. That's why if you see 235 pounds, it's no longer yeah. a red flag. Mm-hmm. I almost called it a green flag, blue flag, whatever <laughs> it may be. Stir not Green though. light. Green light. There you go. Green light means go. Sternod, yeah. 21st birthday. I think he's going to be a guy I want to watch moving forward. What I need to see from Sternod, though, more vowels in his last name. Yes. There's, that's missing that's a vowel. S-T-R-N-A-D. Yes. That's and the A is barely even emphasized. Yeah. I, I could use a Y. Sometimes Y. Give me yeah. the sometimes Y. Um, that's going to do it. That's all the segments. That's the 22 uh, for 1 Drafts podcast to close this one out. Thank you for all for tuning in. This has been our third episode of Two for One Drafts. We'll be live on YouTube Tuesdays and Thursdays, one o'clock. Make you know, make it in your schedule. You're gonna have to carve it in. We're also gonna be on Apple Podcasts, podcast, podcast, podcast very soon. Spotify, Stitcher. Be sure to join us on Thursday. We're gonna be previewing matchups mm-hmm. at uh, rookies and prospects. Maybe some more breakouts. Maybe do some more fun wordplay segments. And um, this has been Mike Renner and Austin Gale on Two for One Drafts. 